Okay, guys, um, you're so welcome today. It is Tuesday, the 11th of April. Welcome to the special focus meeting of Over Eight Years Anonymous, Recovery from Relapse. And today I am very, very happy to introduce the lovely Cody S. Cody is from Philly originally um, and currently living in Atlanta. And he will give you his story now. And Cody, you're so, so welcome. Just share your experience, strength and hope. Take it away, love. <clears throat> hey, thanks a lot, Rita. Um, I really appreciate you inviting me. Um, it's an honor and a privilege. Look, I have a I, I wore a shirt with a collar today. That's like, that's a big deal. Um, I am a, I am a compulsive overeater. I'm a carbohydrate addict. Uh, my name is Cody Smith, and um, and I'm abstinent today uh, by the grace and mercy of a loving God, and uh, that's probably the most important thing I'll say today. You know, that's what I need to. That's what I need to know, and that's what I need to remember. And uh, and I I forgot that, uh, and I relapsed. You know. Um, and I think that I'm supposed to talk about relapse a little bit here today. Um, here's the other thing. Um, listen, I'm, it's not my intention uh, to upset anyone, you know, but I also know um, that we are an upsettable bunch, you know, so I'm just going to tell my story. And listen, I know we're an upsettable bunch because the first action step we have is about dealing with how upsettable we are you know the wrongdoings of others fancied or real you know has the power to kill so I, hey listen uh all i have is my story you know my story has a lot of food and a lot of binges and a lot of, uh, you know, vomiting and a lot of diet pills and a lot of, uh, you know, low self-esteem and self-hate and hiding and wearing shirts into swimming pools. And, you know, like all my story has a lot of that stuff, but my story also has a lot of alcohol and drugs and arrests and things like that in it because, uh, you know, like my big book says, food is just a symptom. And my disease has a lot of symptoms. And so my understanding of my disease, uh, my understanding of uh, abstinence, um, of, you know, emotional sobriety, like, like, I can't, I can't, like, separate molecules you know what i mean like it all overlaps for me you know there's like 144 12 step programs and you go through and you read the 12 steps and one word there's one word that changes it's like insert symptom here powerless over nicotine powerless over spending powerless over sex powerless over video game powerless over food powerless over cocaine like whatever it is and my life is unmanageable and there's one solution, like everything else stays the same, right? So, um, I'm, you know, I respect where I am. I have a, I, I, 
food is one of my symptoms. You know, let me tell you, I eat essentially because I like the effect produced by food. I can eat it and I can go away. You know, I can eat it and everything is good. You know, right up until that spoon starts scraping the bottom of the container, you know, and then it all comes rushing back. So I go to something else, you know. Um, so anyways, I, I have to sort of preface that because um, I had to get sober first. You know, it's like food was definitely a first addiction, most certainly. But, you know, like if you put on a T-shirt that's like itchy and then you put on a sweatshirt that's like really tight and uncomfortable, you can't get to the itchy t-shirt without taking off the uncomfortable sweatshirt first, you know? And so that's kind of, that's how the deal was for me. I put on the itchy t-shirt first, but I had to get the sweatshirt off to get to the t-shirt. So it's just, it's my story. I understand it more looking backwards. So whatever I tell you with any kind of clarity about me is like, listen, don't get upset anyways, because in three years, I'm going to change my mind and see it all differently anyways. Like that's been my story all along. You know, I love like social media gives you these memories. It's like, I'm always so excited about whatever I'm posting right now. And then three years later, it's like, hey, this is what you posted three years ago. And I'm like, what was I thinking? You know, every time, what was I thinking? So, um, and that's been my story, you know, in, uh, in this whole 12 step deal, it's been a wonderful journey. Um, uh, I had, you know, I don't, I can't even tell you what my highest weight was, uh, because when, uh, men's warehouse told me, you know, I, sh I would shop there because they had free alterations. And, uh, and when they told me, when I went in, you know, for another alteration, they were like, we can't alter these anymore. I'm like, what are you talking about? I have free alterations. They're like, there's no more fabric, you know, like we can't add fabric. You have to buy a bigger size, you know? And uh, that was a hard pill to swallow. Um, but right around that time, uh, I, you know, I got on the scale and I, and I, I had uh, breached 240 pounds and, um, you know, listen, for me, that was, you know, unbearable, you know, and I, and I never got back on the scale again. And I, but I, but I do know <laughs> that I didn't start losing weight that day. You know what I mean? Like the pants got tighter after that. So, um, I estimate, you know, that I was in the, the 250 pound neighborhood. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, as a, as a point of reference, um, uh, I only weigh in, I only get on the scale every two months now. Um, so I'm, I'm, I don't know, about 20 days from getting on the scale. And the last time I got on the scale was I weighed 182 pounds. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm maintaining roughly 70 pounds of physical recovery. Um, when I was uh, six or seven years old, um, I remember like seeing a picture of myself standing at the swimming hole with my friends. Um, 
yeah, you know, I'm 48. We had swimming holes. I don't think kids these days have swimming holes, you know? I mean, maybe they do somewhere, but not around here. Um, everything's been shut down or concreted over and kids can't just like go play in the woods and find a swimming hole. And I don't know. Um, anyways, I saw a picture of myself. It was like a profile pic and like all my friends were like these normal sized kids. And I just had this huge belly hanging out over my way, over my, you know, swim trunks. And, uh, and that I, listen, I, I guess maybe you call that like a moment of clarity. <laughs> I don't know, but I was certain, you know, that I was one of these things is not like the other, you know? And, uh, anyways, I grew up in a alcoholic, abusive, violent household, and um, am I allowed to mention foods? <laughs> All right, cool. And uh, and cereal was my best friend. You know what I mean? Uh, the boxes that we used to get would have like, I mean, there was like cereals would have like cartoon character mascots and and they would go on adventures on the box. There would be riddles and stories and mazes. And, and that was like my first drug. You know, I would sit down with a box of cereal and a bunch of jokes and, you know, all these various like find the hidden word and you know what's different about this picture and i like and the next thing you know i'd be getting yelled at because like this box of cereal was supposed to last a whole week you know what i mean and like it didn't matter uh because because it did the trick <laughs> you know it did the trick and so uh yeah, that was, you know, that was six. Those are some early memories. Um, eventually, I don't know. It says uh, the great obsession is that somehow, someday they will control and enjoy. Listen, I used, I used everything to try to control and enjoy everything else. You know what I mean? I'm not like, I wasn't, I said before, I wasn't loyal to food. You know, at some point food in and of itself wasn't doing the trick or or I wanted to control and enjoy the binges. So it was like, if you get drunk, you know, maybe you can control and enjoy your food for a few hours. And then like the drinking gets out of hand and you're like, well, maybe if you just binge, you know, you can control and enjoy the drinking. You know, it's like, um, it was all, it was all methods of trying to control and enjoy my insanity. Um, I did, you know, it's interesting. Um, bulimia was a big part of my story, you know, like it worked, you know, I could eat as much as I wanted. I could uh, go out into the alley. I could throw it all up then go for a run just to make sure, you know, if there was anything that didn't come up, I countered those calories. Um, eventually I would find, uh, eventually I would find <clears throat> diet pills 
which were great because they had speed in them. And, uh, and then I could drink more, you know, like all these, all these things, uh, eventually I would be, um, you know, arrested, um, and, uh, I got diagnosed with, uh, you know, severe anxiety and then I was given, uh, you know, Xanax, I was prescribed Xanax, you know, from a, from a good physician (laughs) and, uh, man, you have no idea Xanax manages hangovers so well. You know, it's like you don't even have to deal. And uh, so anyways, there's a lot of symptoms to my disease. So eventually I hit a bottom, found my way into Alcoholics Anonymous. And there was this woman in my home group and every she had like, I don't know, a gazillion years and and every time she would share, she would talk about how difficult the first 10 years were for her because she was allergic to grains and sugar and didn't know it. And so she was eating grains and sugar her entire first 10 years and she was insane. And <clears throat> I used to get so mad at this woman for sharing about this in my AA meeting what are you doing sharing about i'm here to quit drinking i don't want to hear about that crap i was easily disturbable she wasn't following my script and so uh and so probably the third or fourth time i uh i took that rant to my sponsor you know he was like, you know, that that really upsets you a lot. You might want to take a look at that. The jerk. Why couldn't why couldn't he just agree with me? Yeah, you're right. It's an AA meeting. She shouldn't be talking about that stuff. Some people just don't get it. You know? I like it when people agree with me, but it's never helped it's never helped my the sponsor i have today is like really he's like really mean you know cody why do you do that i don't know it's just my personality cody your personality is killing you you know like he's very honest with me and i need that you know you you you, you're not going to tickle me abstinent you know, uh, I, I really like this. Uh, how's it go? It says, uh, truth without compassion is, is kind of mean, but compassion without truth is deadly. You know, I need someone who's going to tell me the truth. And I know my sponsor tells me the truth in love. It might sound abrasive. It might sound abrupt. You know, it's like, I need that tough love, you know, because, because, you know, I, I heard this over there and I believe it, you know, uh, baby, the alky, bury the alky, you know, 
you can, I could be attaboyed to death. And so these people who tell me, who don't agree with me, who tell me, you know, that bothers you an awful lot. You might want to take a look at that. You know, I ended up doing some inventory around it and, uh, and it wouldn't be very long before I joined that lady, you know, the one it's always, you know, the truth will set you free, but not before it pisses you off. You know, that lady pissed me off. And, uh, and it's because she was talking about something I needed to hear that I didn't want to hear. You know, that's kind of how it always is for me. You know, we have that spiritual axiom that it writes about. Uh, anytime I am disturbed, it is because there is something wrong with me. Like, the, wait a second. Did I hear you right? Because that's pretty much not how I've approached life up to this point, you know. Uh, January. Uh, so I got introduced to the 12 steps and have been sober since January 3rd of, uh, of 2011. I got abstinent on October 30th uh, of that same year in 2011. And um, I had a couple of incidental slips. My first 12 step food program was not Overeaters Anonymous. It was a, a sister-ish program uh, called Gray Sheet Anonymous. They assign food plans. I know OA doesn't, and that's fantastic, but, you know, I was crazy. I had no idea what my problem was. If you would have told me to pick a food plan, listen, that just, that would not have worked for me. I needed, you know, God gave me exactly what I needed. And that was somebody handed me a sheet of paper with approved foods and told me how much of each food I had to weigh and measure and that I had to write it down and that I had to call it into my sponsor the day before. And um, that's what I needed. No way, you know, no way a guy like me was going to pick well. I wouldn't pick the right foods. I wouldn't pick the right quantities. I wouldn't pick the right frequency of eating. You know, I'm that guy in the big book, like on page 24, uh, it says, the fact is that for most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink that happened for me with the food. Like I'm a real, I'm a real carbohydrate addict. And if you ask me to build a food plan, it's definitely going to have carbohydrates in it, you know? And because I suffer from the allergy of the body and, and the obsession of the mind, I'm never, I am never going to give myself a chance. Like, they told me, you, Cody, you can't get sober drinking. You know what I mean? So if I'm still ingesting my allergy foods, I'm still under the influence. And so I needed those five years in, in, uh, in gray sheet. Two weeks, actually two weeks before my uh, anniversary, uh, you know, I left. And I remember like 
you know, it says before, before I think it was Jim poured the whiskey in the milk. He like, he vaguely sensed he was not being too smart. You know, uh, when I left gray sheet, I vaguely sensed I was not being too smart. Um, and listen, it's not like, uh, it's not like I left and the wheels fell off. Um, because I didn't leave 12 steps, you know, I was very committed to the 12 steps. I was very committed to uh, my sobriety. I was very committed to sponsoring and being in the big, big book. I was very co committed to like health and nutrition. Listen, I had learned, I had learned so much about myself. You know, I had lost all the weight. I was living in a healthy size body, you know, like uh, ever. I mean, I weighed less than I did in, in high school. You know what I mean? And the only time I got down that low in high school uh, was for uh, the high school wrestling team and bulimia was involved, you know? So this was like really the first time in my life that I had ever been at a healthy body weight. Um, and and like, I, like everything was good. You know what I mean? So hopefully I get to, uh, anyways, it was about four years. I was out in, you know, relapse uh, for about four years. It wasn't all horrible. You know, I didn't leave and the wheels fell off. Um, I mean, I know exactly. I know exactly what the first thing I ate was. <laughs> you know, I had corn chips and guacamole. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. It's like, Man, I remember it. And the wheels didn't fall off. You know, in fact, uh, a lot of what I do right now, um, a lot of the way I eat right now is a result of, uh, you know, what I was allowed to study and research and, and explore and be a part of you know, in my relapse. Um, so, you know, today I consider it a, a tremendous gift. Um, I'm not going to go, uh, I'm not going to go too much into the food. You know, the big book says, uh, you know, per person who says that we, we find a man unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. You know, we find a person unthinking when they say that abstinence is enough. You know, secession of our drinking is just a beginning. You know, uh, putting down the food is just a beginning. Listen, you know what abstinence means? Like in the beginning, like... It is so important to get the food. To, it is so important to get the allergy food to like to not be up against the phenomenon of craving and the obsession of the mind. Like, like I must be separated. And that's, and I never, and if all you do today is you make it through the day separated from your allergy foods, you know, and you hit the bed abstinent, like you're a winner. You know, my sponsor says that, and I totally believe that. Um, but the sad truth is, is my, my sponsor also says this, and I 100% agree with him. If you're just here to get abstinent, you're not going to stay abstinent.
you know? And both of those things are true. You figure out how to hold those things in the same place and you'll be okay, you know? Because I can be separated from my allergy foods. I can be separated from binging and purging. I can be separated from diet meds. I can live in a healthy body and I can, I can interact with every human being in a completely non-abstinent fashion. I can drive my car in a non-abstinent fashion. I can, I can, you know, not take care of my home in a non-abstinent fashion. I cannot meet my responsibilities in a non-abstinent fashion. Like I can be very emotionally not abstinent, you know? So uh, what one thing I understand looking back, if I seem like I'm jumping around, I probably am because I don't remember what I said. I don't know where I'm at in my story. Um, I don't really know what's going on. Generally, that's true for me. Um, I'm still abstinent today. Although I had a brief interaction with my daughter in the car on the way to school that I would not categorize as abstinent. Five minutes left, Cody. Oh, great. Thank you. See, look, that's it. You just got to ask for help. Um, this is what I kind of understand looking back. The sixth step is a really big deal. The sixth step is a really, really big deal. Um, in fact, it says something like, this is the step that separates the men from the boys. Um, my sponsor said, there is a separation, Cody, you know? And, uh, and, and, I, and I get it you know, because uh, it defines the separation as those, those who are willing to settle for a limited self-determined objective. That's like one group. And the other group is, you know, those willing to try repeatedly over a lifetime to grow in the image and likeness of their creator. That's two different groups of people. And I know it is because I've been in both groups. You know, when I, when I, uh, when I relapsed uh, with the food, um, I had everything I wanted. I didn't realize I had everything I wanted, you know, uh, but looking back, I, had a limited self-determined objective that I settled for, you know? I was living in a healthy body. I looked good. I felt good. I had money in my pocket. You know, my wife and I, our relationship had been restored, you know? Uh, I had a couple of healthy children, was living in a nice house in Chicago, you know? Had the respect of... of uh, you know, my peers, like, like, like every, if you ask me to make a list of the areas of my life that were important, every single area that I would have put was like, it was all check marks. And, and so 
And so I didn't, you know, I didn't need to continue to grow along spiritual lines. I didn't need to continue to grow in the image and likeness of my creator. I didn't have an image and likeness of my creator. You know, I still had this very like fluffy, ethereal, ever changing, like, you know, because they invite you to start anywhere, you know, they're like, we want to bring you to God. You know, Ebby said, Ebby said, I got religion. Bill was like, oh, I can't go there with you. And he was like, well, why don't, you know, why don't you start with your own conception? You can start anywhere. Apparently, you know, where they invite you to start is not necessarily where they want you to end up. And like, I had settled for a limited self-determined objective. I didn't have, I didn't have uh, a relationship with God, which apparently is what the whole thing is about. You know, and the big book says that. The purpose of this book, you know, is to help you uh, find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. And I've had a lot of powers greater than myself, you know, but it also says in how it works, there is one who has all power, you know, so like a pint of ice cream has some power, like that was a God for me, lowercase g, you know, the respect of my peers, lowercase g, God for me, a fat bank account lowercase g that's a god for me you know but it's not the one who has all power you know there's a whole lot of lowercase g's that have some power and they all feel good you know for a little while but i can't actually have a a life so it says we had to find a power by which we could live you know unfortunately every single one of those powers uh like bill says uh, like a boomerang returned in their flight and almost cut me to shreds. You know, every single one of them backfired on me. So, uh, you know, so I'm back in program. I, I, I hit a, I hit a spiritual bottom, you know, I was, I lost my abstinence and I was about to give up my sobriety, which was the most important thing in my life. I hit a spiritual bottom at nine years, you know, I was about nine years in, I was about three years, nine years into my sobriety. I was about three years into my relapse after five abstinence. And that's when I finally had a spiritual awakening. Um, and nothing's been the same since about two and a half years of abstinence, um, you know, back in a healthy body and, uh, and none of that material stuff matters anymore. So uh, I love y'all. Uh, because I've been loved. I'm capable of loving because I have been loved. And I think that's what it's all about. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Rita. Uh, thanks so much, Cody. And just on your share, I want to read a little page out of the big book on 553. It's called A Story taught, AA Taught Him to Handle Sobriety. Just a quote. It says, God willing, we may never have again have to deal with drinking, but we have to deal with sobriety every day. When I had been in AA, only a short while, an old timer told me something that has affected my life ever since. AA does not teach us how to handle our drinking, he said. It teaches us how to handle sobriety. I guess I always knew that the way to handle my drinking was to quit. And then he goes on to say, it's no great trick to stop drinking. The trick is to stay stopped. To do that, I had to come to AA to learn how to handle sobriety, which is what I could not handle in the first place. That's why I drank. So that was wonderful, guys. Can we give Cody a really big round of applause? And I will just knock off the recording. There we go.